Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi everyone. So in this episode, we are going to talk about selling at an auction, selling your properties at an auction. Uh, I love this strategy. I do. Uh, You've got to find the right property to do it in though. This is the thing. And uh, we spend a lot of time trying to source run down, neglected uh, properties with problems, you know, might have uh, cracks or DIY disaster, might have all sorts of issues that we can fix. Uh, so cracks are a big one. You can see properties with cracks in, they might be unmortgageable. They might put a lot of people off if you went in and um, saw a property full of cracks. Um, we don't actually mind cracks. Depends why there's uh, cracks in the property. So recently, recently we went and saw a house in uh, Manchester and uh, it it hadn't sold through the agent. A couple of people had tried to buy it, but it had fallen through because the mortgage companies were not prepared to lend on it. And uh, I went to do a viewing and it was quite clear immediately what the issue was. The house was full of cracks, cracks everywhere. Um, and here's my policy on cracks, right? If I believe the cracks have been caused by something that's happened inside the house. So in this particular instance, we suspected very strongly uh, that two rooms have been knocked through downstairs. Two receptions have been made into one and uh, insufficient support have been put in place. Uh, that had caused issues over, over two or three decades. Things had started to move. In addition to that, Big timber frame windows, not strictly structural, they're not, but, you know, in terms of a bay-fronted semi-detached house, they were certainly doing something to support the bay at the front. Uh, so big wooden frames were taken out in the 1970s at some point and replaced by groovy, cool little aluminium frames, very cool and trendy at the time, but not really fit for the purpose, in my view. And 40 years down the road, there's a bit of rock and roll going on. So we walked into a house that was full of cracks. I mean, the, the cracks were quite serious. If you went into the upstairs front bedroom, where the bay window was in the front bedroom, I could actually get my fingers in the wall. I could. So that had put a lot of people off. Maybe you can understand that. Um, we had access to cash buyers. I'm going to talk about how you can fund these things later in this episode because I don't want the funding of it to put you off. So here are principles. You need, if you're listening, not if you're in the car, but if you're listening somewhere where you can write this down, write this down. If you're going to do a flip, and this is basically a flip, but this will be a flip to auction, not a flip through an estate agent where you do all the work and then put it back on the market, because I don't do, like doing a lot of work. I don't. So uh, going forward, what I try to do is the minimum amount of work and then the maximum amount of profit. That's what, And that's what a flip to auction is all about. So this particular property, I'm going to share the numbers with you now so you know where I'm coming from. This particular property it appeared that we could buy it as cash buyers, right, for around 46 grand. The thing is that in good condition, this was not in good condition, uh, it was in a cul-de-sac of 26 semi-detached houses. Hand on heart, all day long, the value of those houses was over £100,000. They were 
proven sales at over a hundred grand. So at forty six thousand, you know, this was quite a discount, but it was a house full of horrors, right? So I had two options here. I could buy it. Uh, I could do all the work to bring it up to standard. We thought we could do the work, and I could sell it on through an estate agent maybe earn 15, 20 grand at the end. Those are the sort of margins in those value properties, right? You're not going to earn much more than that in properties up to 100, 120 grand. You're not. Um, and that could take me the best part of a year. So you buy the house, you do the work, the six-month rule. That's for another podcast episode. The rule that's not actually a rule, but a lot of lenders will not lend if you haven't owned the house for six months um, and then you've got to get it out into the market and you might get a couple of first-time buyers or whoever who cannot proceed but you don't know they can't proceed so it can take a year to earn your 15 20 grand so I'm happy with my 15 20 grand but I want it in like six weeks I think that's a better better opportunity for doing none of the work right so what this episode is about is how you can flip a house Earn your margin, but not do any work and, and cut the time down to a tenth of what you would spend on it normally with the normal buy, refurb, sell model. So this is Dave's semi-patented buy, do not refurb, sell model, and I'm going to share it with you now. So we went to see this property. Um... We thought it was fixable. Here's my rule on cracks, right? If there are cracks in a house because somebody has done something disastrous internally, DIY disasters, then I think that's fixable. We might have a go at fixing that. If there are cracks in the building because the ground on which the building stands has moved, I don't get involved in that. That's too difficult for me. That's not something I want to get involved in. It takes too long. Um, and you can never be sure in a reasonable amount of time that you've resolved it. This house was the former. There was no doubt in my mind. So we were happy to make an offer. It was conditional. It was a conditional offer. I wanted to talk to the local auction house first. So I, over the years, I've worked with quite a big auction house based in Manchester. They know me quite well. Maybe I do a deal a year, every two years, right? It's not like I'm there every week. I'm not. But they've come to know me quite well over a period of time. And uh, these deals do not pop up every day. Um, I suspect it depends how hard you look for them. Because maybe, maybe if I looked a bit harder for them, I might find them. But I tend to find one a year. And this is how we roll. So I knew I could buy it for 46 grand. I knew that the end value could be about 100 grand in good condition. There's a margin there. I wanted to talk to the auction house to see if they agreed. So the first thing you need to do, the very first thing, is to get the auction house on your side. Now, depending where you're based in the country, um, the auction company and the personnel might be different, but the principles remain the same. These are the principles. The auction house will have a representative directly appointed to liaise with you. You know, you want to put the property into an auction. Uh, so they will come and look at the property. 
Now, the first time they meet you, they might be a little bit cool and, uh, you know, just strictly professional towards you. Don't let that put you off. You know, they are people like us and they want to earn money. If they see the opportunity to earn money, they will work with you. You have to understand that they're accustomed to meeting all sorts of strange people. And there are strange people out there who generally have all sorts of strange ideas. Now, you are not going to be one of those people. That will not be you because I'm going to help you. You're going to do and say the right things. I will show you how. First thing you should do is talk to the representative about value, the price that you are likely to have in your head and what you might think you might achieve for the house at auction will set the tone for your relationship with the auction house, right? In this particular case, I knew that we were buying at 46000 I knew that we had incurred some costs. The project all in with the buying costs, selling costs, we actually got a structural engineer's report for this one because we wanted to have a good look at the cracks, right? Everything would stand us in around £51,000. So that was going to be my bottom line cost level for this project. Who was our customer? Now, we took the view that the most likely person to buy this house might be someone who lived locally who had family nearby, maybe they wanted to buy the house for another family member so that they could all live very locally and spend time together. That would be cool. Or possibly our uh, customer to buy the house might be a local builder who has the skills required to bring the house up to standard. They have only got to look at it and they'll understand what needs to be done. And uh, maybe they take it on as their personal project for the year. You know, to make a profit at the end of it, just an extra little project they do in their spare time. So given that that was the profile of our ultimate customer, how much are they going to pay? Well, the thing is, you have to leave a profit in the deal at the end for them. You do. So when you're doing your numbers on a project like this, always leave a margin for everyone to earn. It's got to be a win-win-win for you to win. I hope you can understand that. The project will proceed more smoothly if you do it that way. So what I did, this is just how I do it. I'll share it with you. I work it backwards from the open market value. And this was my thought process. The open market value was, say, £100,000. Now, there was plenty of evidence for that on right move Zoopla, hand on heart. That's what I thought the house in good condition would be worth. That means... If somebody who's going along to auction to purchase this house can see the whole project in the round completed for around 90 grand, maybe, then they might be interested. The total project cost of the project might come in at around £20,000 to do all the work. There was significant amount of work to be done on this house. And maybe for the local builder who's doing it as his pet little project, maybe for £20,000, he knows he can get that house up and running looking like a new pin. So if they want to pay ninety grand, subtract £20,000 from that. Uh, and that gives you a potential customer at auction at around £70,000. Now, given that our total costs, you recall, were in the region of £51,000, then there was a potential there to generate a profit in the region of £20,000. That is what I thought might happen.
Now, I didn't share this, these figures with the auction agent for two reasons. First, because I wanted to know what he thought might happen. You know, I already knew my view. I wanted his view. And secondly, I didn't want to be like everybody else. What does everybody else do? Well, let me warn you and do not be like everybody else. This is what they do. When almost everybody else meets an auction agent on site, what they do is start talking. They speak a lot. Telling the agent what the numbers should be. Please do not do this. Make sure you listen more than you speak. If the agent includes the house in his auction catalogue, then he needs to sell the house. To ensure a sale of the house, the price has to be right for the auction house. They know the area, they'll know the area, and more importantly, they will know their auction room. So take their advice, listen to what they say. This is really, really important, and this is why the auctions like working with me, because I do respect what their, their advice and I listen to what they say. Now, on this occasion, um, the auction agent shared his views with me, and spookily, our numbers aligned. We agreed on the numbers. This is good. So not only was I happy with what I heard and the likely outcome, but so was the auction agent. This is why it's so important to get your numbers right. If we were now aligned and working together, not having an argument about how much the property is likely to get in the auction. I cannot overstate the value of this. The goodwill that comes from this uh, is worth so much more to you as you move forward in your relationship with the auction house. So the next job is to agree a guide price. Now, for those of you who have not been to a property auction before, not seen a catalogue, I need to share with you that there are two figures that are really, really important. They are called the guide price and the reserve price. You've probably heard of these prices. You may not know exactly what they are. Now, on the face of it, the guide price appears to be intended to give the prospective purchaser a rough idea of what the property will sell for. Uh, you see an auction catalogue and you look at a house that gets your attention, gives you a guide price. The guide price is X, right? It leads you to believe that the house will be sold at X. This is not what the guide price is for. It's not. If you're entering a property into an auction as a seller, the guide price has a very different purpose. In order to generate interest in the lot, the guide price has to be low. If the guide price is low, it gets a lot of interest. Then you get a lot of viewings. And then you get a lot of downloads of the legal pack, which must accompany each lot. Now, the reserve price is a different price. The reserve price is a price that's set by the vendor and is a price below which they do not wish to sell the house. Now, if the bidding does not reach the reserve price, the house will not be sold by the auctioneer. Now, there are no rules about the relationship between the guide price and the reserve price, but there are conventions. So these are not rules, they are conventions in the industry. For instance, it is accepted 
that the reserve price should not be more than 10% higher than the guide price. In lots of low value, um, and I'm talking lots below £100,000, which is exactly what I'm talking about with this lot here. Um, so the one in the case study I'm sharing with you, the accepted relationship is that the reserve price should not be more than £10,000 higher than the guide price. Now, we set our guide price at £53,000. You have to remember that our total costs were likely to be around £51,000. So on the face of it, the guide price looked very low. Uh, but at the same time, it allowed us to set the reserve price at £63,000, £10,000 higher than the guide price. Uh, and we did this without breaking any convention. The guide price of 53 was intended to generate a significant amount of interest in the lot. It did. You know, and um, having said all of this as a backstop, you need to remember that if you get it wrong with the guide price and the uh, reserve price, you are allowed to alter the guide price and consequently also the reserve price right up to the day of the auction itself. So this all becomes a murky and mysterious game, really. Just make sure that you take the auction agent's advice so that you play the game well. Now, you are building your relationship and credibility with the auction agent, and you need to ask for, your, for their help. You're going to need their help. Why do you need your help initially? You need their help initially because you need to be in the right place in the auction catalogue really important this is really really important ideally you need to be in the first 15 lots in the auction why the first 15 well if any of you have been to a property property auction you will know that at a large auction the room is packed at the start of the auction it is buzzing there are people everywhere hundreds seven eight hundred property people in the hall a couple of hours later, and the room has thinned out a bit. By the time you get to lot 148, you can fire a cannon in the room and not hit anyone. There's just somebody snoozing at the back. You need your property offered when the room is full and buzzing with property investors. It will make you more money. So I asked the question. Um, the agent sucked his teeth. Uh, and looked slightly pained, but he didn't say no. I asked him, can I have my property in the first 15 lots in the catalogue? I'll speak to the office and call you back on that, he said. I did get a phone call. To be honest, although I asked for a place in the first 15 lots, if he found me a place in the first 30, I would have taken it. That would have been good enough. Uh, the reason is that the auction house has to earn money, right? They know, they also know that the busiest time in the auction is during the first 30 lots. They know that if they place your property in the, next, in the first 30 lots, then that means they have to think it will sell and it will go for reasonable money so that they get paid. That is additional feedback for you. It's feedback that you've got the prices right. So their vote of confidence, i.e. putting you in the first 15 to 30 lots, is what we need to confirm our expectations for the sale. 
In the event, I answered the phone and the agent told me, we've allocated you a catalogue number, David. You're number 14. Ooh, I thought. Just slipped under the wire. That's all good. So the next thing you have to do before you can enter it in the auction is actually buy the house. Now, the auction house cannot market the house or put it on the, in the catalogue until you've at least exchanged contracts on the purchase. So I would only have the briefest of preliminary conversations with the auction house until you are really confident that exchange will proceed. Once you've exchanged, then you can push on quickly. Uh, because then you have a legal interest in the property and you're extremely likely to be able to complete on the purchase in most circumstances. The auction house will market your house, will put it in the catalogue, will proceed with all the processes necessary to sell it once you've exchanged on the purchase. They can't actually sell it on the auction day if you've not completed this gives you a great opportunity. There's a really efficient use of money here. So when you exchange, then usually, not always, you have to put down 10% of the purchase price. In this example, £46,000 purchase, I had to put down £4,600. A lot of money if you haven't got it, but in property, not a huge sum then you only have to produce the balance of the purchase price, plus all cost of the sale, some additional 42, 43 grand, just 24 hours before the auction. Now, to be fair, this might be cutting it a bit fine. You know, I believe from memory that we arranged to complete the purchase a week before the auction to allow us a margin of error. On this occasion, we were using our cash to complete the deal. So we had no concerns that the finance might let us down at the last minute. You need to work with joint venture finance. If you haven't got the money yourself, find a joint venture partner who can help you. Uh, find a bridger. Work with other people's money so that you can see how you can might limit the cost of this with this particular strategy. What do I mean? What do I mean is you can't use money much more efficiently than this. In this case, we had to put down £4,600 about a month before the auction. And then the balance of 42, 43 grand, whatever it was, just a week before the auction. So the money was only out for a couple of weeks. The greater part of the money was only out for a couple of weeks, right? Very efficient use of funds. It will be very attractive to any joint venture partners that you're talking to out there. And uh, Bridges know this really, really well. Bridges will work with you on this. They will. So if you're working with a joint venture partner, uh, typically, not always, I get that, but typically a joint venture partner will put the money in and expect 50% of the profit. Well, that's cool, right? So 50% of a profit is better than nothing if you can't proceed, right? Bridging finance uh, is structured a bit differently, right? And they'll add it, you know, they'll give you this complex computation as to how they work out their fees. But the bottom line is, in my experience, a bridging company will take about 20% of the profit. So it might be cheaper for you to work with a good bridger. You need to find a good bridger. Anyone listening to this wants to 
Meet up with a good bridger. You can message me. I will tell you who I work with. So we're in the catalogue. We've got our prices set. We've got our money in place. We've got our plan. What are we going to do now? The next job is to monitor the viewings and the legal packs. Now, what's a legal pack? Some of you will know, some of you won't. A legal pack is put together by your solicitor when you enter the property into an auction. And um, in this example that I'm giving you, it's a very efficient process. Because don't forget, we don't quite own the house yet. We've exchanged. We haven't completed. We are going through the process. But every legal process and document can be used not only to facilitate the purchase of the house, but also to populate the legal pack for the auction sale. Very efficient use of resources. Uh, in this particular case, we even put a copy of the Structural Engineer's Report into the legal pack. Total disclosure uh, of the condition of the house. Total transparency of all matters in the process is required at all time. Now, in this example, there were group viewings arranged by the auctioneer. And uh, I phoned the admin team at, uh, at the auction house a few times to see what was going on. The admin team at auction houses are very efficient. They will help you and talk to you and you need to be friends with them. So on this particular occasion, they told me that we had had 28 viewings and 23 legal packs have been downloaded. This was good news. I was very pleased to hear this because what it told me was that we generated a lot of interest um, and it was very likely we'd have a genuine auction in the room. Now, what if the admin team had told me we'd only had one viewing and no legal packs had been downloaded? Well, then I would have had to think long and hard about withdrawing the property from the auction. If there was no interest, I might have had to have a rethink. Remember, my fallback strategy on this was always that I could do the work myself, uh, that I could bring the property up to standard, and then I could remarket at retail level through an estate agent, probably the estate agent who had introduced me to the deal. So uh, this is definitely a reserve strategy because it would have taken much longer. It take thick end of a year to turn, the, to turn the house over and get the money back in, it would have been more expensive. Uh, this is, in effect, defaulting to the buy, refurb, and sell model. Wasn't really my first choice. Too much money sunk in the deal for too long. Too much work. I don't like doing a lot of work. The profit may well have been similar at the end, but I would have been tied into what could have been, in effect, a 12-month project. So I might have found that I was losing opportunities in other properties um, because my money was tied up in this one. And that's the loss of opportunity cost is absolutely crucial. So if I had to get out of going through the auction, how would I do it? I'm sitting there. I've gone through the process. I'm in the catalogue. They've done all the viewings. Only one person has come. You have to have withdrawal options. You have to be able to withdraw from the auction. Now, these will be defined in the contract. 
that you sign with the auction house. You'll sign a contract. All the terms will be in there. The difficulty for me is that the auction house will make it quite expensive for you to exercise this option. I've typically seen auction contracts where the, the cost of withdrawing your property late could be as much as £2,000 plus VAT. You really don't want to pay that much? You don't. So what I do is I deal with this earlier in the process. So when I'm originally speaking to the auction house agent about putting the property into the auction for the first time in the first place, uh, you recall I speak to him about catalogue position. I speak to him about the values. The other thing I speak to him about is the possibility of withdrawing the property from the auction if I have to at the last minute. It might The conversation might run something like this. If we get it wrong, if we don't get enough interest, then I'm going to have to withdraw the house from the auction and try something else. Now, it's only fair and reasonable that I should pay you something at that point. I understand, Mr. Auctioneer, right? You will have done some administrative work. You will have printed the catalogue and probably done some viewings. My property would be in the catalogue. You would have gone to my property. But I can't afford to pay you £2,000 plus VAT to pull my house out of the auction. I acknowledge you've done some work. I think we need to amend that figure. I, in those circumstances, I'm happy to pay you £500 plus VAT at a maximum. How do you feel? So uh, if you try that, there's a script for you. Go back, listen to it again, write it down. Uh, you get the normal sharp intake of breath, tooth sucking sort of response. I will have to speak to the office. Um, and the conversation gets left there. But if you follow up, if you follow up the way that I do, when the contract comes out, you can make a, a manual alteration to the clause where uh, you have to withdraw your, uh, you want to withdraw your property and pay the fee, cross out the 2000, put the 500, initial it and send it back. That should get you home and dry. So I hope that this has helped you. Uh, I love working in auctions. I've had friends in the property world who spend their whole life just working in auction rooms. They'll buy at one auction, they'll sell at the next auction and take their profit. Now, it's a great strategy and it's really, really efficient use of time. If you're working with bridges and joint venture partners, very efficient use of money. You need to know what you're doing. So if you've got your L plates on, if you're new to this, go along to an auction, have a look what everyone else does. Don't bid. Do not bid until you've been half a dozen times at least. And uh, you can really, really accelerate the growth in your property business by buying and selling in auctions. I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, I really look forward to speaking to you very, very soon. And uh, keep going. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.